Is there a desire in you to not just attend revival, but live in revival? Welcome to the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Isaiah Saldivar. I've been in revival for the last 10 years, as well as traveling and being a part of many revivals throughout the United States. I'm going to be sharing with you how to live a radical lifestyle of revival on a daily basis. There is nothing more important that we could possibly talk about than the place of prayer. This is the most vital and this is the most important topic for the life of the believer. There's nothing more important in the life of a Christian, I hope you're taking notes tonight, than having a prayer life. So many of us think of prayer as some religious duty or as a burden, but I'm telling you right now that once you fall in love with God, you are not going to be able to get enough of God. Prayer will not be something you have to do, but prayer is going to be something that you love to do. And this is what I believe tonight we're going to talk about conditions to getting your prayers answered we're going to talk about the the power of prayer but I want you to understand that this is not just some side topic that you're like oh this is boring I wish you talk about something else this has to be the driving force of the life of the Christian you can have all the power in you all the power of the Holy Spirit and of God in you but if you don't have a prayer life the power that's on the inside of you is not going to be able to flow through you it's like standing next to an electrical outlet and never actually plug into it and so many of us are standing next to the power of God the power of God is inside of us but we're never letting the power of God flow through us we're never plugging into the power source and it doesn't matter how much power you have you have to connect to the power source prayer is our connection it's what lets the power of God flow through our lives you have to stop looking at this as a chore you have to stop looking at this as a burden you have to stop looking like prayer is just some boring religious conversation where we repeat the same thing over and over again you have to understand that having a prayer life and even the ability to pray is an incredible privilege that God has given us so we have to stop with this mindset that oh I'm just you know I'll pray once in a while or I'll pray on Sunday morning or I'll pray before bed or pray before I eat and we need to start getting a lifestyle of prayer I'm telling I know some of you might be in here tonight you say Isaiah it's more exciting when you talk about casting out demons it's more interesting when you talk about miracles or visions or dreams or manifestations of the gifts of the spirit but friend realize that all those topics we talk about are all a result of an overflow of having a powerful prayer life that is why when the disciples could not cast out the demon Jesus said that these things only come through and by prayer and fasting so if you want to get better at deliverance if you want to see more people healed if you want to see more people delivered if you want to flow in the gifts and the power of the Holy Ghost there's no replacing this friend this is our connection to the power source so if we have a bunch of believers in our community in our family that do not have prayer lives we're going to be empty we're going to be shallow and we're going to be those ones that stand on judgment day and they're going to say we prophesied they did signs they did wonders and miracles but the Lord is going to say depart from me for I don't know you the knowing you the intimacy and that word know is to be intimate with that comes from the place of prayer so I am not in relationship and I can't stay connected and I can't be fully committed to God if I'm lacking in the place of prayer so this is I have to tell you this how vital this is this is an overflow this is the power of God and there's nothing that the devil hates more and I already just feel it he's mad right now tonight there's nothing that he hates 
takes more than a believer that prays. The devil is working overtime, investing all of his resources to distract you from the place of prayer. That is why social media and Instagram and Netflix and TikTok and Facebook and Hulu and YouTube this and YouTube that is so damaging in our lives if we're not using them for the glory of God because we will spend our life on TikTok, on Instagram, on Facebook and distracted from our true calling and that's to be in the place of prayer and we'll never live out the true calling God has without prayer. Prayer is the prerequisite to fulfilling the destiny that God has on your life. And if I said tomorrow, Jesus was going to be at Starbucks at six o'clock and you can sit with him for an hour face to face. Every single one of you would show up at six o'clock to Starbucks to meet with him face to face. Yet when we examine our prayer lives, we realize how prayerless we are and it makes it clear that we don't truly understand the ability that we have as believers to directly communicate with God. Friend, I don't know if you know this. You say, Isaiah, obvious. This is elementary. Duh, I can connect and communicate with God. But if you understood that, why is it last week you barely prayed? Why is it last month, within the last month, you spent two hours in prayer total, if we're lucky, and yet we can binge watch our favorite show. We can binge watch our favorite series. The moment our new TV show comes out, we can spend hours. I'm preaching to myself tonight, y'all. But then the moment that we get in the place of prayer, we get bored, we get tired, we fall asleep. The enemy is after your prayer life, and you got to understand that this is your direct access to God. There's no other way that we access God but through prayer. And here's one thing that I'm, I'm struggling to understand. Here's one thing that I'm struggling to wrap my head around how witches, warlocks, people in Satanism, people in black magic will spend hours. I recently had a guy telling me he was spending eight to 10 hours a day in another country invoking demons into him and literally eight to 10 hours a day. And I'm looking at the American church and I'm looking at the prayer life that so many of us have. And we're not willing to spend more than five minutes to get in the place of prayer. We're not willing to spend more than 30 minutes praying and and yet you have witches and warlocks that will spend hours. I mean, let's think about our old life. We used to party for hours. I would drink for hours, four, six, eight, ten hours of just partying and drinking and lawlessness. And now that we're believers, we are spiritually lazy. We are. We're spiritually lazy. And I'll prove this by looking at our prayer life. And that's why Paul said in 2 Corinthians, examine yourself. That's why Romans 12, Paul said that when you measure up your faith, he said, beware that you don't think you're better than you really are. And again, I'm preaching to myself tonight too, because I want to make sure I examine my life and say, Lord, do I have a genuine, solid prayer life. I don't want to, I'm not forcing you tonight to pray. I'm not preaching um, a con condemnation. Like if you're not praying, you just need to pray. I want to get to a place in my life where it's something that I want to do. Friend, I am telling you, I am obsessed and I am addicted to the presence of God. I cannot survive a day without prayer. It's no wonder why the churches in America are powerless. It's because they are prayerless. It's no wonder why the average believer does not believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, does not believe in deliverance, does not believe in the fire of God. It's because we are a prayerless group of people and Jesus is looking for people that would pray. It's no wonder why we so easily fall into false doctrine. We so easily fall into deception is because we've lost the place of prayer. We've lost our true calling. Your high calling is the place of prayer. Listen, before you're a great preacher, before you're a great this, it's to minister to the Lord. That's what makes you successful. And if there's anything I want to be known for is 
That guy has a prayer life. That guy knows how to pray. That guy, I don't know all the time what he's saying. Half the time he's yelling, his veins are popping out, he's sweating. But there is something about Isaiah when he speaks. You guys have come to me and told me, listen, Isaiah, when you speak, I feel something. Friend, I'm telling you, that's the Holy Spirit that you feel because I'm in relationship with him because I'm in the place of prayer. And to be honest with you guys, if I'm not ministering to the Lord, if I'm not in the place of prayer, if I'm not in the place of worship, if I'm not living holy, if I'm not in my word every day, if I'm not spending hours studying the word of God, what business do I have trying to get on here and trying to teach you guys something that I'm not doing or teach you guys something that I'm not living? So I'm telling you guys, I'm living this thing out. I can't survive. Prayer is the oxygen to our spirit, man. Prayer is something that has to come where we don't even think about it but we pray without ceasing. How could you pray without ceasing? It becomes so natural to you that you don't even think twice about praying. Having a prayer life, write this down, will solve a thousand other issues you're dealing with. So many of our issues are as a result of a lack of prayer. Why is this going wrong in my life? Why is this not happening in my life? Why am God not opening doors? And why am I not seeing miracles? And why is my marriage so rocky? And why do I feel tormented in my mind? And why am I not seeing miracles and breakthrough? deliverance and God's power in my life it's because most of the time it's a lack of prayer every people every person I've counseled every person that comes to me says I'm struggling 98% of them that say they're struggling have lost their prayer life or have lost the desire to pray and the disciples came to Jesus they looked at everything Jesus was doing and they had one question on their mind and it was not teach us to heal the sick teach us to drive out demons it was teach us to pray now of course we've done teachings on casting out demons we've done teachings on deliverance but the most important question was teach us to pray there's something missing this is what they were saying there's something missing in our lives that when we look at Jesus when we look at Paul when we look at Isaiah when we look at Ezekiel when we look at Jeremiah when we look at these great men of God they're looking at Jesus and they're saying there's something missing there is a missing ingredient and a missing component in our life and God would you please teach us to do what you're doing that's been working for you and that was getting in the place of prayer and so we all need to strengthen our prayer life we all need to get closer to God and there are conditions that we need to meet when praying in order for our prayers to be heard and some of you might have said oh you labeled the secrets to prayer that's not biblical it is biblical Jesus said I will give you secrets and mysteries to God's kingdom that other people aren't getting so there are mysteries to prayer there are key components to getting your prayers answered and these are what we're gonna talk about tonight I'm gonna show you the conditions you have to have to get your prayer to having an effective prayer life and to getting your prayers answered the Bible literally tells us how to get our prayers answered so could it be possible that everything that I'm teaching you and telling you about tonight can change the future of your life as you begin to develop a prayer life I will make you a promise tonight I'm going to make you a promise that if you apply what I teach you tonight and you get serious about the place of prayer and you begin to say, God, I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before, I can guarantee you that everything will begin to change in your life. That the justice of God, I feel the fire of the Holy Ghost. Come on, type one if you feel this. That the justice of God will be released in your life. And the word justice just means to make what's wrong right. And God will begin to straighten out. God will begin to restore. God will begin to heal. God will begin to heal 
God will begin to bring breakthrough as you begin to lean into the place of prayer. I remember at the altar the night I got saved and I told the Lord, I was an atheist a minute prior to this. I said, God, I see you wanting me to preach because God showed me pre me preaching on stages. God showed me revival and the sick being healed and nations being liberated. And I said, God, I can't do anything you're telling me to do. I have nothing to offer you. And I told the Lord, I don't even know how to pray. And the voice of God said, I will teach you to pray. And this was my instruction from God. You, okay, listen to this. All me on stages preaching, healing the sick, raising the dead, liberating nations, all those visions. How am I going to get from point A, and that's being a brand new believer, just got saved from being an atheist to a revivalist and seeing all that God had for me. How is it Isaiah gets from point A to where I'm at now? There was one thing God told me to do. He didn't say, Isaiah, go make a Facebook, go make an Instagram, go call pastors, go get invites, go learn to preach, go do this, get in Bible college. There was one word that the Lord directly spoke to me the night I got saved. I've told this once or twice before. He said, Isaiah, all I want you to do is pray for one hour a day. Understand that was my only instruction. Imagine I get radically saved and the only instruction I have from God is to pray one hour a day and I will take care of the rest. And this is exactly what prayer does in the life of a person. It invites God's divine hand and God's divine power. And it says, God, I need you to drive this thing. I can't drive. I can't do this. Friend, let me just tell you this. Okay. If you think that I'm all this or I'm all that, let me just let you in on something. I have no clue what I'm doing. I can't preach without the presence of God. I can't pray without the presence of God. I have nothing to say to you guys without the presence of God. I, I have no talents. I have no gifts. I have nothing to offer. It is only by God's power and by God's spirit that I'm able to do. So please, when you see me, you need to see Christ in me because Isaiah Saldivar, you can, Isaiah Saldivar can't even give announcements on Sunday morning. Isaiah Saldivar can't get on for five minutes without stuttering. But when the Holy Spirit apprehends me, when God begins to speak through me, and we're going to talk later about how God can actually pray through you in your sleep. But when God begins to pray through you, things begin to change. Breakthrough begins to happen. So please, when I meet people, when people call on the show and they're, I'm so nervous, do not be nervous. You have to understand I am 100% a regular person. The only difference between me and some of you is I have grasped the principle of prayer. I've paid the price in the secret place. And the Bible says, if you do it in secret, God will reward you in public and God will move in the public place. And we're going to do another broadcast on the secret place. But you have to understand that this entire thing starts in the place of prayer. You want to be effective at deliverance? You got to have a prayer life. You want to be effective as your as a husband or wife? You got to have a prayer life. You want to be effective as a police officer, a school teacher, a doctor, a nurse, a barista, a Walmart employee, and you want to be an effective believer in the marketplace? You got to have a prayer life. You're like, I want to be a Christian YouTuber and live streamer. Do you have a prayer life? Because everything else is an overflow of my one-on-one -on -one relationship and communication with God. There is power as you begin to pray. You invite God's divine nature. You invite God to change you. You invite God to restore you. You invite God to teach you. If I'm not blessing you, I'm blessing me. And when you begin to pray, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one that was and is and is to come, the one that that they sing holy 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 is the lord god almighty the one that creates galaxies and stars with his breath that god begins to move in your life that god now you might say isaiah 
I can't really do much for God. You know, I'm a stay-at-home mom or I'm a stay-at-home dad or I just don't have much going for me or I have this. Friend, do you understand that you can change your entire family from a bedroom? You can change your entire city from your living room. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a stay-at-home dad, you're unemployed, self-employed, just got a job, you can change everything from driving to work and beginning to open up your mouth and pray. When you begin to pray, the heavens respond. God sends his angel armies and breakthrough begins to take place. I'm telling you right now, I saw through the power of prayer, my family get saved, my cousins get saved, my aunts, my uncles, everybody just started getting saved through the power of prayer. So that is why tonight you might say, oh, I'm just gonna get on your next broadcast when you talk about you know, how to cast out a demon. I'm not really interested in this whole prayer thing. Friend, this is every everything. I'm, I hope I'm convincing you that this is everything. This is the secret weapon. How do you do it? What's your secret? My secret is a prayer life and it is no secret. It's the place of prayer. So you have to understand, I just dedicated an hour. I said, Lord, I'll give you an hour a day and revival begin to broke at, break out of my life. And it changed the entire course of my life. So I'm not, I'm not preaching you something I read in a book. I'm not preaching you something I downloaded off of a, the internet on Sermon Central. I'm preaching you something that I've lived and I've watched and I know will get you results. Prayer gets results. Prayer works. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 7, when you pray, now notice what Jesus says here. When you pray, not if you pray, when you pray, because Jesus is assuming in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, that you're going to pray. But he says, don't babble on as the Gentiles do. They think that their prayers are answered merely because they repeat the same word over and over again. Do not be like them, for your Father knows exactly what you need. Oh, this is such good. This is good, Jesus. Really good stuff here. He knows exactly what you need even before you you ask him. So he says, listen, when you're praying, don't just say the same thing over and over and over thinking your prayer is going to get answered. He goes, because here's the thing. When you're praying, your father already knows what you're going to pray before you even pray it. So understand when you're praying, God already knows what you need. He already knows what you're going to ask. So prayer, write this down, is not about informing God of your problems. Prayer is about discussing God about your problems and communicating with God. He goes, listen, I already know what you're going to talk to me about I just want to know if you're willing to talk to me about it prayer is all about being relational with God that is why even though God already knows God expects us to pray and I want you to understand that just because God knows something doesn't mean God is going to act on what God knows for example, if God knows you need a new job, it doesn't mean God's going to open the door if you don't ask him. God knows that you need this or you need that or you need strength or you need breakthrough or you, you know, you're praying about your husband or your wife or you're praying that God would open a door in your business. And God says, I know about it, but I'm waiting for you to talk to me about it. I'm waiting for you. It's like when you had a hard day and your husband or wife says, I just really need to talk to you about this. And you sit there and you listen and they go on and on and on. And you kind of already know where they're going because yesterday they had the same thing and they're telling the same story you don't say well I already know all that I don't want to talk to you anymore you listen to them because prayer is our dialogue and our communication with God and there are some things write this down that God will not act on until there's communication with him about the certain things so although God is all-knowing God oftentimes will not act on something until you tell him about it he goes listen I know what you need 
But do you just want me to answer and get you what you need? Or do you want a relationship with me? He says, because I'm looking not just for you to say, do, do, do. I need, I need, I need. I'm looking for a relationship with me. And Jesus says, you have not because you ask not. Friend, our prayers do not get answered by saying the right prayer or repeating a certain prayer. They get answered when we understand that God is looking for communication with us. So saying the same word over doesn't do anything. Repeating just a generic prayer, although that's a good place to start if you're a new believer, that's not what gets you breakthrough. What gets you breakthrough is genuine communication. Jesus said, do not babble like the Pharisees, like the Gentiles, like the religious people. They think by repeating themselves, God is going to answer as if it's some religious ceremony. But this is what God is saying. Write this down. I want you to talk to me the way you talk to other people. The Holy Spirit being a person says, wait a minute. I see the way you talk to your wife. I see the way you talk to your husband. I see the way you talk to your boss. I see the way you tell your friends what you're going through. And he says, and I want you to talk to me the way you talk to them. God says, why when you come to me, do you repeat my name a thousand times? Why when you come to me, do you say, I prophesy, I decree, I declare. Why is it you always have this religious ensemble when you talk to your family members, you don't go to your wife and say, um, Alyssa, I love you. Alyssa, please make me some food. Alyssa, how was your day? Alyssa, please clean the house. Alyssa, how are you? Alyssa, what's going on? Alyssa, what'd you do today? Alyssa, and God says, when you talk to me, you're saying my name over and over like some religious thing, but you're not really communicating. You just heard other people pray. When I talk to my wife, I don't say her name over and over again. I say her name one time to get her attention. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. And then once I have her attention, I'm able to talk to her. I say something to her, she says something back to me. I say something to her, she says something back to me. True prayer is not you talking the entire time. Listen, if you're going into prayer, okay, and we're, we have uh, almost 2,700 people watching, if you're going into prayer and you're just only one talking and you're never hearing from God, which last Friday we talked about hearing from God, that's not prayer, that's you repeating yourself. That's you telling God what you want, but that's not prayer. When you're praying, you're communicating back and forth. Our conversations with God sound like God, Father, God, Lord, Jesus. And we think by repeating over and over again, these are not wrong things, but Jesus said, when you pray, don't just repeat yourself for the sake of this is what they do at church or this is, he goes, no, no, no. I want genuine connection with you. I want you to talk to me the way you talk to a friend. That's why there's no right way to pray. And I'm even going to show you that Jesus says that there's a certain guide to prayer, but you don't repeat prayers. There's nowhere in the Bible where Jesus said, repeat this prayer word for word, and you're going to get something from me because it's not out of repeating. It's out of relationship. And sometimes it's easy. I get it. When we get religious and we repeat the things and we think, well, it worked once, it'll work again. But God is looking for you to talk to him the way you have a regular conversation with people. In Matthew 7, 7, Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount, and this is what Jesus said. He said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you you will find knock and the door will be open for you for everyone who asks receives everyone who seeks finds and him who knocks the door will be open so he makes three things incredibly clear in Matthew 7 7 he says if you ask it will be given 
If you seek, so we're not talking maybe, you will find, and if you knock, the door is going to get open. And so many times we give up because God doesn't tell us how many times do we have to ask. He doesn't tell us how long we have to seek. He doesn't tell us how many times we have to knock. And so we have this microwave generation where we want everything instant, instant, instant. And if it's not instant, we give up. But let me tell you something. God is not an instant God. I mean, if you're on your phone and the page doesn't load instantly, you're like, my Wi-Fi must be out. My app must not be working. Maybe I got to do this. Maybe this is wrong. And you think, and just because, you know, we're like that with everything else, God says, I'm not like that. I'm a God that says you have to be persistent. I'm a God that says you have to be shameless. I'm a God that says knock and seek and you will find, but don't doorbell ditch me. Don't ask me one time. I wonder if there's anyone in the stream tonight that says after this broadcast, I'm going to begin to ask until I'm going to begin to seek until I'm going to begin to knock until I'm going to do it until God moves on my behalf. I'm going to do it until God moves on my marriage. I'm going to do it until God heals my body. I'm going to do it until the Lord breaks this depression and breaks this anxiety. I'm going to do it until God saves my family. I'm going to do it until God, come on, who am I preaching to renews my mind. I'm going to do it until God opens up the door. Do you guys see the difference here? Until he promotes me, until the right guy or girl comes along. I'm not going to stop because I haven't seen results. I'm going to pray until I'm going to pray my way through. How many times should we ask Isaiah until it happens? How long should we search? Well, how long do you search for your car keys? You look until you find them. How many times should we knock until the door opens? You got to be persistent in the place of prayer. You don't stop asking because you haven't seen anything yet. You don't stop searching because it's taking too long to find him. You don't stop knocking because you think nobody is home. There is a promise from Christ. If you do these things, you're going to get results. And so if you're tired of not seeing prayers answered, if you're tired of God not moving in your life, you have to look at the words of Jesus. In Matthew 21, 22, Jesus said, all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Mark eleven twenty four, 24, Jesus said, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. So he says this, you need to pray your prayer and then believe it before you see the results and then it will be yours. So it doesn't become yours when it happens, it becomes yours once you pray and believe it to become yours. And even though it hasn't happened in the natural, Jesus goes, I've already taken care of it in the spiritual. So it's not see it to believe it, write this down, it's not see it to believe it, it's believe it to see it. I believe my kids are gonna get saved even though they're still out there acting crazy. I believe my body's going to get healed even though the pain is still there. I believe, Lord, that you're working in my mind even though it feels like nothing has changed. I believe that you have my best interest in mind even though right now it feels like you're nowhere to be found. But you know what? I'm going to believe it before I see it. What I see with my eyes does not determine what God is doing in the spirit. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it has not happened. Sometimes things take place in the spirit and it takes time for them to manifest in the natural. Daniel chapter 10, the angel said, we've been breaking through it in the spirit. As you've been praying, Daniel, we're going to war fighting this demonic power over Persia. And we've been fighting the prince of Persia and we've been warring and you've been praying for 10, 20, 
21 days seeing no results, but understand that we've been praying, we've been believing that the moment you begin to pray, he said, we begin to go to war on your behalf. You got to know that your prayers release the angels of heaven. Your prayers release angelic armies. They begin to war the moment you pray. But what happened? The results didn't come until the angel showed up, but the battle was already taking place. And he had to just believe that God was moving, even though he saw nothing even though he was praying and his people were in bondage, even though he was praying and his people were being dragged away. He goes, guys, don't stress out about it because I got a secret weapon called prayer and I've been praying. And as I'm praying, I feel something shaking. I feel something stirring. And little did Daniel know that up above his head in the unseen realm, that something was shaking in the spirit. Something was moving in the spirit. I came to tell somebody tonight that been praying for that family member, that there are angels warring for your drug addicted daughter. There are angels warring for your drug addicted son. I came to tell somebody that's been praying, Lord, when is it going to be? When am I going to have a husband? When am I going to have a wife? When am I going to get the job? I came to tell you that God is preparing it even before you got there. That God is moving some people around at the job even before you applied. That God is preparing your husband and your wife even before you met them. That God says, I'm the one that makes all wrong things right. I'm the one that makes a way where there is no way. I'm the God that can open every shut door and I'm the God that can shut every open door so you you got to understand someone said I need that house that God says I'm already working don't even worry you're gonna get it $50,000 under the asking price because right now I'm working on your house there was a remodel that had to take place and you wanted those white cabinets and those cabinets were brown and so God says I gotta wait a couple more months because the old owner is gonna put some white cabinets in for you and when the timing is right it's gonna go on the market there's gonna be 10 people that bid against you but the owner's gonna come and say I don't know what it is but something about it was keeping me up at last night saying that you're the person to get the house so you got to understand you might be wanting a job saying lord open the door and god says i'm going to but the job that you want doesn't even exist yet so i got to create the job at the place before i open up the door so in the net in the spirit you already got the job in the spirit you already got the house in the spirit you're already married but you got to just wait a minute understand that these things that you're praying you got to believe them before you see them isaiah how do i know if i truly believe what i'm praying if you truly believe your prayers you won't be shocked when they're answered oh come on someone type one in the chat every time I pray for something or somebody and the prayer gets answered and I get shocked it's proof that I don't believe what I'm praying I'm telling you God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or think our God is not a bare minimum God our God is an extravagant God have y'all read your Bible our God goes over and above all we can ask or imagine so just know right now as we're preaching and prophesying and praying that God is moving on your behalf and you need to zoom out a little bit you're just zoomed in too much and you don't see that there's more characters in the scene you don't understand that behind the scenes God is working on your behalf that God is moving on your behalf and just because you can't see it Jesus goes pray and believe once you pray believe you've received it well I haven't received it believe you've received it and that's how you receive it. in John 16 24 Jesus says this until now you've asked for nothing in my name ask and you shall receive so that your joy may be made full he goes listen there is a special kind of joy and passion that comes when you see your prayers answered but many times we're expecting God to answer prayers that we're not even praying he goes up until now you haven't even asked for anything in my name how do you expect me to answer prayers you're not praying how listen closely how do you expect God to heal family members 
Restore your ministry, restore your community, bring breakthrough in your body if you're not even asking God to do it. We say, God, why haven't you saved my kid? And he says, because you haven't even prayed for them. Why haven't you opened the door? Because you don't spend time praying for me to open the door. Why haven't you restored my mind? Because he spent, you spent eight hours a day on Netflix and five minutes praying for your loved one. And you're expecting me to bring breakthrough in the life of a friend or family when you're not even willing to give me the time or energy and to cry out and to intercede on their behalf. The joy of the Christian life, write this down, is seeing your prayers get answered. There's nothing better than knowing the creator of the universe has answered your prayer. Many believers are lacking joy because they're not seeing prayers answered in their life. And everyone knows that feeling you get when you see that family member saved and you go, I know exactly why they got saved because I've been targeting them in prayer. You see that door get open? You say, I know exactly why I've been targeting you in prayer. You finally see that healing breakout, and you say, I know exactly why that healing happened because I've been praying. You get that call for that job, you know you're not even qualified for, but you know that this is an answer to prayer. These are moments where there's no explanation but the hand of God. This is the joy of answered prayers. Maybe you're lacking joy tonight, and God says it's because you haven't been praying and because you haven't been asking up until now, I haven't been able to answer. So ask yourself, how much have I actually asked God for the things I'm mad at God for not doing? Lord, you aren't doing this in my life. And God says, you're one ask away. You're one ask away from there being breakthrough. You're one ask away from your ministry exploding. You're one ask away for the hand of God moving in your life and for God to do what only he can do. In Matthew 6, 9, we see the, mo the most famous prayer today, which we call the Lord's Prayer, which really wasn't the Lord's Prayer. It was more like the believers or the disciples' prayer. And this was Jesus teaching them how to pray. Jesus says, pray like this. He doesn't say, pray this. Now notice this, okay? And all of all the religious people in the chat are just going to get angry at this because your whole life you got taught, pray the Lord's prayer every day, pray before bed, say it, say it, say it. Jesus never says, pray the Lord's prayer. He says, pray this, or the original translation says, this manner, pray. So he wasn't saying, pray this. He was saying, pray like this. The Lord's prayer is not a prayer you repeat. It's a guide to how you should approach prayer. And I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but I want you to note something in the Lord's prayer. Remember, this is not to pray. Jesus didn't say, pray this. He said, pray like this. And he starts out by saying, our Father in heaven heaven. So this, this is what Jesus is saying. It makes all the difference when you understand that you're not praying to somebody on earth. You're not asking intervention from somebody that has a lot of money or someone that has a nice car. You're asking from someone that is in the spiritual realm and that rules from heaven. And that's why when pastors say, oh brother, you're just too spiritual. Everything's spiritual. I always ask them, where do you find God? Because God is in the spirit realm. Jesus said God is looking for those that would worship in spirit and worship in truth. Now you have to understand that God is in the spirit realm. He's in the heavenly realm. And God says, when you pray, pray our father who's in heaven. So I'm not on the earth. So there's no limits for me. So stop limiting God. Stop telling God you can or can't do this. Or how about this? God, you don't understand because you haven't seen my bank account. God goes, I'm not going to wire transfer you money. I'm the God that owns the cattle on a 
thousand heals. I'm not a God that is limited to time or space. Well, God, you, there's no way you can heal me because the doctor said it's going to take a month before the bones fuse back together. And God goes a month in the future, grabs your healing and brings it to today and says, I'm not limited by man. I am a God in the spirit realm. I am an unlimited vast God that sits in the heavens, that sits in the heavenly realm. The earth is my footstool and I am in heaven. So don't pray to me like you're talking to somebody naturally. You need to pray to me like I'm the God that can do anything. And then also understand that he's our father. So again, you got to be personal with God. I don't go to my dad and say, Nick, would you Dick? Would you Nick? Would you Nick? And say my dad's name over and over and over again. I go to my father and I ask him for what I need because he's a good father. And so my kids don't have to say, in fact, you know what? Let me say this. I don't even think my kids know my name, to be honest with you. I asked my daughter, uh, Harvey, she's two and a half my name the other day, and I'm pretty sure she said my name for the first time in her life. Why do my kids not know my official name? Because they call me daddy. They call me father. They call me dad. They don't have to address me with some eloquent name, some Jehovah Rapha, the Lord thou art God. You don't need to speak King James to God. God understands your, your English. He understands your verbiage. And so you don't have to know every single name. There's over a hundred of God. You need to go to him like a father. And just when you pray, address him like he's your father. Jesus says, our father, who's in heaven, so not natural father. And this is where the disconnect comes. Some of you have had extremely toxic, negative, abusive relationships with your father. And I want you to know that your heavenly father is not like your earthly father. He's not gonna walk out on you. He's not gonna abuse you. He's not gonna abandon you. He's not gonna let you down. He is a God that is our father in heaven and he is a good father. He's a personal father, but write this down and this will change your life. He's not just your father, Okay, Jesus did not say, pray your father who's in heaven. He said this, pray our father who's in heaven. Now, why did Jesus say pray our and not your? Because you need to understand that when you're praying, you shouldn't be praying like an only child. He goes, your prayers, if you understand that he, oh, this is too good, y'all. Okay, I should be, I feel like I should be giving myself an offering right here, but this is good. He says, when you're praying, you shouldn't be praying like, God, heal me. God, bless me. God, anoint me. Your prayer should be, God, bless my brothers and sisters. Heal my brothers and sisters. Anoint anoint my brothers and sisters. He goes, take away the self-centeredness out of your prayers and understand that he's not just your father, he is our father. And if you're an only child or if you know an only child, they're used to everything being about them. In fact, when people are only child and then five years go by, nine years and they're 10 years old and their parents decide, you know, we're gonna try this thing out again and we're gonna have another kid and that, that only child now despises the new brother or sister and why? Because now the parents have to also cater to this person. So it's also have to feed this person, also have to help this person and now they, ha they can't be spoiled anymore. They can't be self-centered because before they were self-centered. Everything revolved around the only child. God says, don't pray like you're an only child because you're you're part of a global family. So he's not your father. He's all of our father. So let's pray like brothers and sisters. Let's get in a community and let's pray to our father who's in heaven. And he says, and when you pray, you got to pray holy is your name. Stop treating God like he's common, casual, like he's the person next door, like he's your boss, like he's a job. You need to make sure that when you're praying, you're considering the holiness of God and the fact there's nobody like our God. He says, holy is your name. Hallowed is your name. You're unlike any other God. So he's giving us not what to pray or what to say, 
but this is the roadmap into prayer the holiness of god the father-son relationship the understanding god is in the spirit realm and then he said this and this one i'm going to go and then we're going to go into something else but i want to touch on this last thing in the lord's prayer he said may your kingdom come may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven here's what jesus is saying prayer is not about you prayer is about the will of god being done on the earth it's about god's will let your will be done not my will why not my will because i'm crucified jesus already said you have to lay down your will you have to lay down your emotions you have to lay down your ambitions you have to lay down your hopes you have to lay down your wants and you have to say god i want to pray your will so prayer write this down takes the focus off of me and puts the focus on god's plan in the earth to establish his government so because there's no sickness in heaven through prayer we eradicate sickness because there's no demons in heaven through prayer we drive out demons because there's no lost people in heaven through prayer we see lost people saved because we're our calling is to make god's will which is to make heaven on like earth make earth like heaven and to manifest his kingdom on the earth he says so your job in prayer is to pray the will of god and don't worry about everything else because remember if you seek first the kingdom of god all these things will be added unto you. So you don't need to worry. God is going to take care of him, take care of you if you seek him first. So your prayer needs to be, Lord, let your will be done, not my will. So we go, God, this is all about you. I hope you're seeing that when you take your attention off of you, your life becomes so much simpler. When you fall out of love with you, when everything isn't about what you can get, what you can do, and your followers, and here's the damaging thing, and we're gonna transition to, to the next part here. The damaging thing is that we are the only generation that will go online, make an entire page about us, and then expect people to like us, to share our posts, to comment on our stuff, and so our generation is revolved around likes. Who likes me? Who loves me? Who shares my stuff? Who's watching? Who's posting my stuff? And so it's a me, 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 and because of social media, we've made a self-absorbed, self-centered generation, and Jesus goes, you're supposed to die to self. You're supposed to lay down your life. You're supposed to give up yourself and to pick up your cross and to follow after me. So it's all about the desires of God. Now there are certain conditions that the Bible mentions okay and listen just go ahead and order your Chipotle now order your burrito order your Domino's do what you gotta do go get your coffee get your drink because I got some more stuff to say so I'm not gonna rush through this and I know I know it's already 50 minutes in but we're going for it tonight I want you to write these things down because this is gonna change your life these are conditions the Bible mentions that must be met in order for your prayer to get answered so if you want your prayers answered like I do it's possible that your prayers are not being answered because you're not doing certain things. So there's conditions that the Bible says must be met to have your prayer answered. And these are the mysteries, these are the secrets of prayer that have been hidden that God permits people that follow him to know. And these are some of the secrets the word of God reveals to getting prayers answered. So if you're taking notes, you need to be writing this down. Number one condition that needs to be met to getting your prayers answered is to be submitted to God. You gotta be submitted to God. Hebrews 5, one tells us how Jesus prayed. It says, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and with tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard, oh man, this is good preaching tonight. He was heard because of his reverent 
Submission. This is how Jesus, Bible tells us how Jesus got his prayers heard. This is showing us Jesus lived a life of prayer. And notice what the Bible says here. It says he offered up prayers. This is Hebrews 5, 7. He offered up prayers with loud cries and with tears. Now, some of you might say, Isaiah, why are you so loud? Well, you got to realize when the Bible says the prophet spoke, God would tell him to shout the message when it was important. But not only that, Jesus cried out when he prayed. Jesus was loud in his prayers. Now, why would we cry out in prayer? Why would we lift our voice and cry? The same reason why a baby cries. It's to get the attention of the parent. Remember, our father, our cries get his attention. Now, if you're a parent and you're in this broadcast tonight, you know how hard it is to ignore a baby. Five minutes go by, the baby's crying, and you tell your husband or wife, all right, I'm going to give the baby five more minutes. If it cries for five more minutes, we're going to go pick her up. If she cries for 10 more minutes, we're going to go get her. Because after an hour, you can't handle it anymore. You're not going to let your baby cry for an hour. And the same way God says, I'm hearing your cry as you cry, as you're persistent, as you lift your voice, I respond to your prayers. Jesus cried out, the Bible says, and he didn't just cry out. The Bible says he prayed with tears. Psalms 56, 8 says, you keep track of all of my sorrows. You've collected all of my tears in your bottle and you've recorded each one in your book. So God collects tears when we pray. Sometimes you don't know how to pray and you might be in here saying, Isaiah, I don't know how to pray for my marriage. Isaiah, I'm so broken. I'm so hurting. I'm so lost. I don't know how to pray for this situation. I don't know how to pray for this job. My family's not saved. My friends aren't saved. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to pray. And my response to you is, have you tried tears? There's nothing like tears. God moves. God saves our tears, the Bible says, in a bottle. And sometimes when I'm in prayer and I just start to cry, I don't know why. There's something happening in me that that transcends the natural understanding. So don't hold back. Crying is not a sign of weakness. Jesus prayed with tears. I want you to know what it says though. It says Jesus was heard. This is why. Not because he was God's son, because of his reverent submission to God. His prayers were heard because he was fully submitted to the Father. If you want your prayers heard, guys, these are secrets here. If you want your prayers heard, you need to live a life submitted to God. Now, some of you are not, you're not submitted to God, yet you want God to answer you. You do your own thing. You make your own decisions. You don't ask God. You don't inquire. You're not submitted. You're not under his covering. And so God is not answering your prayers. Now, how did Jesus live out a practical life of submission well Matthew chapter 26 verses 39 and verses 42 tells us it says and when he went a little beyond them and fell on his face praying saying my father if it is possible let this cup pass from me yet not as I will but as your will and then the Bible says he went again a second time and prayed saying my father if this cannot pass away unless I drink it your will be done. How did Jesus live a life of submission? He said, God, even though I don't want to do this, even though I don't want to go to the cross and be separated and take on the wrath of God. If you're wondering what was in the cup that he didn't want to drink, it was the full wrath of God in the cup that was poured out on his very own son. And the Bible says it pleased God to pour his wrath out on the son. And Jesus says, I don't want to drink the full wrath of God. So if it's possible not to go through this, but you know what, Lord? If this is your will, let your will be done. This was Jesus submitting to God. Submission to God is saying, Lord, even if I don't want to get on this broadcast every night, come on, somebody, and share your word. Even if I'm too tired or too weary, or even if I don't have the energy or effort to go get on the plane and fly across the country to go preach to your people, 
I don't really feel it, but let your will be done. This is living a submitted life that you say, God, if you want me to move tomorrow, I'll sell everything. I'll sell the dream house. I'll give it rid of the dream job. I'll sell the dream car. I'll go move wherever you want me to move. I'll do whatever you want me to do. This is living a submitted life. And the Bible says Jesus got his prayers heard because he lived a submitted life. So when we pray for anything, we need to begin to ask ourselves, am I praying this thing because I want it? or because God wants it. Reverent submission means you saying to God, not as my will be done, but your will be done. It, it consists of us literally renouncing our own will and embracing the will of God. I'm giving you guys practical stuff no one's gonna give you here. It's embracing God's will, denying your will, and saying, God, whatever you wanna do, do it. That's why Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do more abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us, God's wills, God's will, friend, listen very closely, is a thousand times greater than ours. You might say, well, I had this dream and God wants to remove this. Listen, my dream was to be a police officer since I was a kid and my whole life, I want to be a police officer. Well, when I went to college, I went to college to be a police officer, graduated with a degree in administration of justice. Would you just guess... Well, the first thing God says to me when he, when he encounters me, as, as God begins to talk to me, Isaiah, you're not going to be a police officer. And God removed every desire I had to be a police officer. And I had to say this, not my will be done, but your will be done. And now, listen, friend, what God has given me is a thousand times. Okay, let me rephrase that. 100 million times better than the life I had planned as a police officer living a normal life because God does exceedingly unlimited above. So don't think, oh, the will of God is boring for my life. I'd rather just go do my own thing. God says, no, my ways are a thousand times better than what you had planned. When God tell us we're going to stream and do this or that, friend, listen, there's 3,000 of you watching live right now. I thought maybe I would have 300. When I used to have 300, I was like, this is as good as it gets. I have 300 viewers. Now, there's 3,000 of you. Why? Because God says, I'm going to do this 10,000 times greater than what you can ask or imagine because this is not my will. This is God's will. Believe me, Isaiah Saldivar's will is not to get on live stream every day or to preach every day or to post every day. I would rather just go hide in a sound booth and work the sound and never be on stage. But again, it's not my will. It's God's will. I have zero desire to have a following. I have zero desire to get likes or shares or tweets or this or that it doesn't matter at all the, you know what i get excited watching the subscriber count go up watching the facebook followers go up because i know it's more people that are going to be reached with the gospel if you're on my page my whole page is god everything i post is about god it's all preaching it's all ministry because i want to glorify god i don't care about the following i care about reaching as many people so of course do i want to reach a million subscribers Yes. Why? Because more people will be reached by the gospel. They'll be trained and they will be equipped. So number one is being submitted to the will of God. Number two, number two condition, write this down, is having faith. You have to have faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So Hebrews eleven six gives us two conditions. Two conditions to having faith. Number one is that God exists, which I hope you believe in if you're in this broadcast. But number two, he says, here's what you got to believe, that God actually rewards those 
who earnestly seek him. You have to understand God is going to reward you if you seek him. He's going to reward you if you take the time to go after him. I believe this applies to those that travel into our meetings, that fly in from New York and from Florida and drive 22 hours straight. God says, I'm going to give you an extra reward because of your sacrifice, because of your willingness, and because of your effort. You better believe that if you don't think God is looking at your effort, you better believe if you don't think God is looking at your sacrifice, every time you put effort into encountering God tonight, listen, Friday night, seven o'clock Pacific, 10 o'clock Eastern, some of you missed out on this or missed out on that or didn't go there because you told your friends and family, Isaiah Saldivar is live on Friday night and I have to hear the word of the Lord. I'm not here to hear Isaiah's word. I'm not here because I like Isaiah, although I know some of you, a lot of you do, praise the Lord. I'm here because God has a word for me and he's gonna speak to me tonight. And so I'm earnestly seeking God. The fact that you're in this broadcast tonight, let me see how many of there are of you right now. There's almost 3,000 of you on this broadcast. The fact that you're on this broadcast right now is a sign that you're earnestly seeking God. And the writer of Hebrews says, you got to believe this if you're going to have faith that God rewards those that earnestly seek him. Jesus kept saying over and over again, when you pray, believe you've received it. When you pray, believe I've already done it. Believe I've, I've had it. Will I find faith when I return? The power of faith is so hard to describe because you have to understand that faith is unmeasurable. That one mustard seed can move a mountain. So I thank God that the New Testament doesn't just tell us have faith. But the New Testament tells us how to get faith. Because you might be in this broadcast and you say, I believe God exists. I believe he honors those that earnestly seek him. But how do I have faith? If faith is the motivating, the moving power behind my prayers being answered, how do I have faith? Very simple. The Bible tells us how. It doesn't just say have faith. It says in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of God. So you don't have it. Praise God, you can get it. You might be here tonight and say, I have no faith. Well, here's how you get it. Here's how it comes. It comes from hearing. It comes from listening to God, which we talked about last week. Prayer is not just talking to God. Prayer is a two-way communication. And when I speak to God and God speaks back to me, my faith is increased giving my prayers the thrust that they need to be answered. It's holding this intimate personal conversation with God and actually what God says and has to say to me is much more important than what I have to say to him. When God speaks to you in prayer, it gives you the faith you need. That's what faith comes, comes by hearing. If you say, Isaiah, I don't know the will of God. So how can I pray the will of God? You find the will of God in the word of God. That's where God's will is found. So the more you get into scripture, the more you read the Bible, the more you'll know God's will for your life, God's will for your family, God's will for humanity. You'll be able to have the faith you need to pray his will. So faith comes by hearing, hearing comes by the word of God. The more we know of scripture, the greater our capacity is to be able to hear the voice of God. So you cannot, you cannot understand how important it is that you have faith. You cannot understand how important it is that you know God intimately and you know God personally. And this is by getting in the word and hearing the voice of God. So number two was have faith. Number three, oh, this is so good. I'm blessing myself tonight. Number three condition that has to be met to your prayer to be answered is you need to be praying in the name of Jesus. Write this down, y'all. I'm telling you guys, it's gonna change your life. Praying in the name of Jesus, John 16, 23. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you've asked for nothing in my name, 
Ask and you shall receive. What is the key to having your prayer answered? You guessed it. Praying in the name of Jesus. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we're going not in our power, but in God's power. And the power of what Jesus did on the cross, we take on, he took on our sin and we took on his righteousness. And now we are eligible to approach the throne of God, which otherwise we had zero access to. Friend, apart from the shed blood of Jesus, you had no access to the throne of God, but now we have direct access to God. That is the essence of imputed righteousness. We have the righteousness of Christ. God took our, on, Jesus took our unrighteousness on the cross. We took his righteousness. So righteousness, if you're new, it just means right standing. It means me and God are in right standing. We're in right standing because of what Jesus did on the cross. It's like if you have a beef with your friend and you're kind of like have a weirdness and you get around them, you're like, hey, after like a month goes by, you see them at the at the party or the park or the family reunion and you're like, hey, are we cool? Because there's been a weirdness between us. See, what the blood of Jesus did is it took the weirdness away. Because the Bible says that we are hostile. We are enemies with God. We are separated because of our sin. Jesus came, shed his blood, and restored to us that relationship. And we don't have beef with God anymore. We're not separated with God anymore. But we have direct access and relationship with God through imputed righteousness. Also write this down. When we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying with his authority. It's like if you had a friend who's a police officer and one day you go to their house, you put on their police uniform, you put on their police badge and you went in the middle of traffic and you started directing traffic. Even though you're not really an officer, even though you never went to training, even though you didn't graduate the academy, when you go to go direct traffic, people are gonna listen and respect you. Why? Because of the uniform and the badge that you're wearing. This is what happens when we put on Christ. Even though in our own selves, we don't have no power, we don't have no authority. When we put on Christ, we put on the badge and the uniform, we're coming in his name. And so people respond, demons respond. This is why demons have to obey us because we come in his name. Even the demons obey us when we cast them out in your name. It's in the power of the name. It's that level of authority that we have. Luke 10, 17, demons were powerless because of his name. Mark 16, 17, demons are cast out in his name. Acts 3, 6, healing occurred in the name of Jesus. Acts 4, 12, salvation comes in the name of Jesus. Matthew 28, 19, we are baptizing in his name. 1 Corinthians 6, 11, we're justified in his name. Colossians 3, 17, everything we do or say is in the name of Jesus. When I pray his name, I'm declaring to myself, oh man, this is good preaching tonight, that I have no power and I'm relying on Jesus. It's like a bride. Listen very closely. I'm trying to help you tonight. It's like a bride that has no money that marries a rich man and takes on his name everything he has becomes hers and in one second when she says i do she goes from being poor homeless and powerless to wealthy and influential just by changing her name oh i feel the fire of god this is what happens in the name of jesus everything that belongs to him now belongs to us and i'm able to now say god i approach your throne i have all things pertain to life and godliness i can be bold i can cast out demons i can lay hands on the sick not in the name of isaiah saldivar but in the name of jesus there is power in his name. So you're not poor. You're not weak, okay? You're not, you know, less than. Whatever belongs to you, her belongs to me. Whatever belongs to me belongs to him. Listen, my wife is a stay-at-home mom. We don't have separate bank accounts. Whatever's in my bank account, whatever income comes in, whatever money I make, my wife, who's a stay-at-home mom, has 100% access to. So all of my money 
is also her money. Why? Because we have the same last name. Because we are in covenant. And so you don't even have to do anything. You can be stay-at-home mom, raise the kids. And really, she works probably 10 times harder than me, okay? And there's just some points right there I just scored, praise the Lord. But you can do all you want to do. I'll take care of everything else. Because your name and my name are the same. And you have access to everything that belongs to me. From you got to understand everything that belongs to God you now have access to because of his name. You got his name now. Okay. Number four, write this down. We're almost done. Is approaching God boldly. Number four condition to have your prayer met is approaching God boldly. Now, this is a major way of getting your prayers answered is by not coming to God timid. Hebrews 4 16 says, therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that way we may receive mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So you have to understand that we're not, we're not just going to somebody random. We're going to someone that's sitting on a throne. He's not weak. He's not unable. He's not un stable. I think sometimes we don't realize the God that we're praying to. He's not just a king. He is the king above all kings. He's not just a Lord. He is the Lord above every Lord. Our God reigns supreme over humanity. The heavens and the earth obey him. We are praying to somebody that has complete power and authority to do anything we ask him that's seated high and lifted up on a throne. And notice it says, and I'll put all of these in the description right after the video. But notice it says a throne of grace. And this is the key because grace goes beyond what we deserve. So he's not answering our prayers because we deserve for them to be answered. He's answering them because grace says, I'll do it even when you don't deserve it. He says, you'll find grace to help in a time of need. Prayer is for the time of need. Some of us only pray in a time of need, but we need to learn to pray when things are going bad and pray when things are going good. Hebrews 10, 19 and also verse 22 says, therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, let us draw near with sincere heart and full assurance of faith. So what gives us access to boldly approach the throne? Through the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives us the power to boldly approach him. So we have confidence, full assurance. So don't be timid when you pray. Don't be shy when you pray. Don't be quiet when you pray. Don't be calm when you pray. Be bold in your prayers. Be confident in your prayers. Know that there is power when you approach his throne. So you don't have to like limp to the throne of God. You don't have to like wobble or crawl and say, Lord, I've been sinning and I'm in sin and I'm this and I, Jesus, no, no, no. You can boldly come before, be, before me because the blood of Jesus has made an opportunity for you to come before the, the lamb, for you to come before the father, for you to come before the Holy Spirit. The blood of Jesus gives us full access to the Godhead, full access to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, full access to the place of prayer. When we've, we weren't able to pray, now we're able to boldly go before God. This is something that cannot be overlooked. This is a must. Okay, number five. Number five, get your pens out. Number five condition is having the right motive. The Bible says God searches the thoughts and the intents of our hearts and discerns our motives. So he's not concerned with what we ask when we pray. He's concerned why we're asking what we're asking. He's concerned with our motive. That's why James 4, 2 says, you do not have that because you do not ask. And then when you do ask, you don't receive. So James is telling us why our prayers not being answered. Watch what James says. He says, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. So one simple reason why we don't have the things God wants us to have is because we don't ask. But if we do ask and we still don't receive, it's because we're praying with wrong motives, particularly 
The motive that James saying is wrong is that we want stuff to spend on our pleasures. In other words, our prayers are self-centered, our motives are wrong, and we're simply aiming to get something of our own comfort and personal satisfaction. So then the question has to be this, what are the right motives when we're praying? I'm glad you asked. Jesus tells us in John 14, 13, he says, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do so that the father may be glorified in the son. So what are the right motives to ask in prayer? I'm, I'm giving it to you guys. I'm, I'm helping myself tonight. This is very practical. The right motives are, will the answer to this prayer, I'm going to slow down here so you get this, will the answer to this prayer bring glory to God or bring glory to me? So if you're asking God to do something, ask yourself this, will the answer to this prayer bring glory to God? And if it doesn't bring glory to God, it's possible you're praying for your own pleasure and you're praying amiss and God is not going to answer the prayer. So if you're praying for a spouse, are you praying for a spouse so you won't be lonely and single anymore? Or do you want a helpmate that could further help you fulfill the calling God has in your life and you can serve God better together and you can be a prophetic picture of the marriage that God has with his people? Now, it's okay to have motives like I don't want to be this or that, but that can't be the driving force of your prayer. Your prayers have to be, I want to do this to bring glory to God. If you're praying for a job, it's not just so you can provide for your family. It has to also be, God, I want you to use me so that I can sow into ministries with the finances and I can reach people at my job and I can honor and glorify you at my job. I'm not saying get on a table tomorrow and get fired at work. I'm saying, do we live this lifestyle? I hope you guys are hearing me. Type one if you understand what I'm saying. Are we living this lifestyle where we're saying, every prayer I pray, will the answer bring glory to God? Every situation. So when I'm praying for an unsaved family member, I know that if God answers and saves them, it's, it's going to bring glory to him. If I'm praying for a miracle, I know that I'm not going to take credit for it. It's going to bring glory to him. When I'm praying for deliverance, it's not to get a clip or a video or views. It's so that they can be free and them being free will bring honor and glory to God and they can better serve God. So think about this. Every prayer you've been praying, is it for you or is it for them? Is it for you or is it for God's kingdom? Every prayer we have to pray, just like the job of the Holy Spirit is to bring honor and glory to God. Okay, we're almost done here. Number six, we have two more. Number six, write this down. If you want to get your prayers answered, I promise you, I could literally promise you these will work because they're in the word of God. I'm giving you verses for every single thing that I'm telling you. Number six, forgive those who have hurt you. Write that down. Forgive those that have hurt you. In the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 6, one of the things Jesus taught, taught us is to, to say is, forgive us our debts or our trespasses as we forgive our debtors or those that trespass against us. Now, this is an important condition to having your prayers answered because unforgiveness, write this down, will prevent your prayers from being answered. Jesus has limited us to asking God for forgiveness only in the proportion or the portion that we forgive others. So do not be asking God to forgive you of something if you're not willing to forgive others. Remember, my friend, that this is not an emotion. This is a decision. Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's not, I'll, I'll do it when I feel it. You're not going to feel it, okay? It's a decision I make to tear up the IOU. Somebody owes you $3,000, you tear it up because you don't know how much you, because you have to understand, they owe you $3,000, but you owe God $10 million. And here's what God says. If you tear up their $3,000 IOU, I'll tear up your $10 million IOU. But if you don't tear up the $3,000 bill that they owe you, I'm not going to tear up the $10 million debt you owe me. So God's law is 
unchangeable and God's law says, I demand you to forgive them for me to even be able to forgive you. The last petition in the Lord's prayer is deliverance from Satan. He says this, deliver us from the evil one. That's the correct translation. So you and I have no right to pray for deliverance until we forgive others as we would have God forgive us. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, write this down. Jesus said, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, okay, he covers everything, forgive him. So if you have unforgiveness and you're standing there praying, God says, don't even waste your time. Jesus goes, don't even waste your time. If you have any unforgiveness towards anybody, you need to go forgive them. So let it go, tear up the IOU and forgive the person. Also, if you have bitterness, resentment, or unforgiveness towards your spouse, let me just show you a scary verse here. First Peter 3, 7. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with the respect of as the weaker partner and heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. So what is Peter saying? He says, look, if you don't know how to treat your husband or wife, don't even waste your time praying. Because if there's no mutual respect in your marriage relationship, God is not going to answer your prayers. So you being angry or bitter or resentful or mean or having uh, being harsh or being all this stuff that you are, Mr. Grumpy Pants, that's going to hinder your prayers from being answered. Now, ladies, if you're one that always has contention, you're nagging, you're bitter, you're angry, you're never happy, you're hard to please, you're hard to satisfy, and you're always just rubbing things the wrong way and you're, you're hard on your husband, your prayers are going to be hindered. Hindered. We need to have mutual respect so that our prayers are not hindered. This is very important. Okay, number seven, be led by the Spirit or pray in the Spirit. Write that down. This is the last one we're going to end. The seventh condition to getting your prayers answered are being led by the Spirit or by praying in the Spirit. Romans 8.14 says, For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And the Greek, this is the translation, as many as are regularly led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So how do you live a daily life as a son and daughter of God in this wicked world? Is by being regularly and continually led by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses for when we don't know what we should pray for as we ought to pray the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of the spirit is because the spirit makes intercession for the saints according to God's will. So Paul said that the spirit comes to help in our weakness. Now, what is our weakness? Our weakness is this, write this down. We don't know what to pray for. We don't know how to pray. Have you ever been there when you say, I have no clue what to pray about. I have no clue what to pray in this situation. That's our weakness. So in our weakness, the Bible says the spirit prays for us, prays through us, prays with us, or to say it another way. We don't always know what to pray for. Even if we do, we don't know how to pray. And the Spirit does it for us. So you might not know what your friend needs or what your daughter needs or what your kids need or how to pray certain things. So what is the solution? The solution is letting the Spirit of God take over and pray through you. Now listen very closely. I'm not only talking about praying in the Spirit. I'm talking about praying in English 
and letting the Holy Spirit inspire your words, saying, God, take over. God, pray through me. Whatever you want to say, say it. Many times when I'm praying over somebody and I'm, I don't even know what I'm praying half the time and I'm praying in English and then I'm like, wow, that was like a really powerful prayer. That was because I said, Holy Spirit, pray through me. So you don't have to just pray in tongues, which I think everyone has access to as a believer and everyone can as a believer, but understand you have the access and the ability to let the spirit pray through you. Even in English, you could say, Holy Spirit, use my English words to pray through me. So don't just limit this. Even though this is talking about praying in the spirit, God is not just limited to tongues. And tonight we are going to pray for you. If you've never prayed in tongues, I'm not talking about speaking the first Corinthians 12. I'm not talking about speaking in interpretation of tongue. I'm talking about first Corinthians 14 praying words cannot utter there's no translation it's relationship between you and god if you want it tonight you can get baptized and you can pray in tongues we're not talking about the gift you might say well that's only a gift for somebody that is not what i'm talking about tonight tonight i am talking about praying in the spirit because god wants to give you this so we're not going to limit it now also I want you to know 95% of Isaiah's prayer life is in tongues. And the reason being is because I never know what to pray for. I don't know how I should pray. I don't know what to pray. There's a million things I can pray for. So I just pray in the spirit because the spirit prays and knows the will of God and prays. The Bible says, according to the will of God. So when he prays through us in an unknown tongue, we're praying the right prayer. We know that it's right because the Holy Spirit is giving us the prayer to pray and praying through us and he prays according to the revealed will of God. So when you're praying in the spirit, remember this, okay? I love this. He takes over your vocal cords and our inner man and he holds a prayer meeting on the inside of us. Friend, when you pray in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is having a prayer meeting inside of you. Think about how powerful that is to let the Holy Ghost have a prayer meeting on the inside of me and to change everything. Oh, I like that. That's a good word. The Spirit also can pray for you through, I'm sorry, can pray through you while you sleep. Yes, you didn't know that? Before bed, I dare you to do this. Say, Lord, I give you permission to pray through me while I sleep. The Song, Song of Solomon, chapter five, verse two, says, I sleep, but my heart is awake. What does that mean? It means I'm still awake, even though my body's sleeping. Imagine how your day would go if you went to sleep and your body got all the rest you needed, but you really had an all night prayer meeting and you didn't even know about it because the spirit of God was praying through you all night long. Now I want you to type one in the chat. If you've ever woken up to praying in tongues, type one in the chat. I'm going to type one here, type one. If you've ever woken up to praying in tongues, okay. Typing people are typing one through the chat. That was the spirit of God praying through you while you sleep. So I dare you to do this at nighttime. Say, Lord, I give you permission to pray through me while I sleep. And you're going to start. I'm telling you, let me know next week in the comments. You're going to say, Isaiah, I've been waking up to praying in tongues. How is it possible? Because the Holy Ghost never sleeps. Remember, spirits don't need to go to bed. The only reason why you sleep is because your flesh needs to sleep. Your body needs to sleep. Spirits don't sleep. Demons don't go to bed. Angels don't go to bed. Uh, God doesn't go to bed. God's not tired. So you have to understand spirits don't sleep. So the Holy Ghost is awake all night long. What do you think he's doing? He's wanting to pray through you. That'll change your life right there. So I just want you to know that this is a powerful reality if you understand the Spirit of God wants to pray through you. Let me give you one last verse and we're done. Romans 9.15 says, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I'll have compassion on who I have compassion. It does not therefore depend on man's desire or effort, but on God's mercy. So here's what I want you to know. 
God is sovereign and there are some things that we will never understand until we get to heaven. There's some things I've prayed and I don't understand God. Why have you not answered? At the end of the day, God is sovereign and everything is under his control. Don't stress out. Keep believing. Keep praying the will of God. Keep the fire lit and keep the fire lit and keep letting God move in your life. Our God is a sovereign God. Let's just begin to pray right now and let's just begin to ask the power of the Holy Spirit to take over and to fill us. Father, we pray right now that you would release power in the name of Jesus. I ask you to baptize every listener with the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of God says, ask and he will give to those that ask. So tonight we ask for the power of the Holy Spirit. Tonight we ask for the fire of the Holy Spirit. Tonight we ask for you to move in signs and wonders and miracles. Tonight we ask for those that have never been baptized with the evidence of speaking in tongues that you would baptize them with your Holy Spirit. We're not praying vain repetition. We know you want us to talk to you personally. So help us learn to talk to you personally. Help us to have a relationship with you and not just be Christian robots. Lord, tonight we are asking for an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. Move on these people tonight. Baptize them in fire. I just say right now, receive the fire of the Holy Spirit. Receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Receive the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit move in Jesus name in your life right now let him move let him fill you right now you might feel it bubble up don't speak in English don't speak in English let it bubble up out of you father fill him with your Holy Spirit right now fire of the Holy Ghost right now in Jesus name let that Holy Ghost bubble out of you I'm telling you if you're full of the Holy Ghost you got it God wants you right now to have this ability to pray in tongues for your spirit to pray and speak back to God it's his will for you so right now no English just let the Holy Spirit begin to pray out of you begin to open up your mouth and let the Holy Spirit you got to activate this thing it's like prophecy you don't just wait for it to just come out of you you got to open up your mouth father we just pray let the river flow in Jesus name let your power flow in Jesus name we come against now all sickness in the name of Jesus we ask for the healing power of God if there's sickness in your body go ahead and lay hands on your body part and just begin to release healing right now father we ask that you would release healing in Jesus name over all sickness sickness go go in Jesus name you have no power you have no strength you cannot live in their body any longer we speak the healing power of God just to be released over cancer over high blood pressure over diabetes over every disease every sickness in the throat in the lungs and the kidneys blood disease stomach disease allergies COVID we break it now in Jesus name and we pray Lord for the healing power healing power be released in Jesus name over backs over nerves over ligaments over tendons right now be released in Jesus name be released okay people are typing right now they just they're speaking in tongues for the first time be released in Jesus name healing power of God we break bipolar we break tonsillitis we break migraines in Jesus name we break fibroids now fibromyalgia go in Jesus name healing power of God healing power of God blood of Jesus father release your power we're asking you tonight Lord have your way God you said you have not because you asked not and so we ask tonight in your name by faith that you would bring breakthrough Hashimoto disease we break it now in Jesus name we say be healed in Jesus name insomnia we break you in Jesus name we command every demonic power to go every demonic spirit to leave we speak the hand of God over you right now we drive out every demon by the finger of God Satan you have no power you have no place you your kingdom is destroyed your power is broken and the Lord rebukes you we bind you Satan get out now in Jesus name get out now in Jesus name father release your power in Jesus name release healing in Jesus name 
Come on, guys. There's breakthrough happening right now. I pray right now over your husband for asthma. Be healed in Jesus' name. Right now. Come on, just open up your mouth. Begin to pray in the spirit. Father, we ask you right now for breakthrough in Jesus' name. I'm not, listen, I'm not speaking in tongues with interpretation. I'm praying in the spirit. Just pray in the spirit. Begin to open up your mouth. Let the Holy Spirit pray out of you the perfect will of God. Father, I ask any hindrances to prayer, break them now in Jesus' name. Any hindrances to prayer, break them now in Jesus' name. Father, distraction, break it in Jesus' name. I come against all distraction in the name of Jesus, broken now. Whenever you, oh, I just feel like falling asleep every time I pray, I come against that now. I just get on Instagram every time I pray, I come against that now. I hear the Holy Spirit saying, some of you need to schedule prayer. The way you schedule everything else, the Holy Spirit says, schedule time in prayer. Schedule time with me. Stop making excuses. Put it on your calendar. Say, I'm going to get into prayer. I'm going to pray. I'm going to know God. I'm going to be connected to God. I'm going to pray with boldness. I'm going to pray with authority. I'm going to pray in the name of Jesus. I'm going to pray with faith. I'm, I'm going to pray unwavering in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, we break witchcraft in Jesus' name. We come against you now. Every spell, every hex, every curse, every blood oath, every sacrifice that's been done against you, every voodoo doll, null and void now in Jesus' name. The blood is against you, Satan. The blood is against you. Every contract and plan of darkness is broken now. Every assignment the enemy had against you is broken now. Over your marriage, over your finances, Satan, we come against you now in Jesus' name. And we just pray that your home would be a house of prayer. We pray for fire in your home. We pray for breakthrough in your home. We pray for deliverance in your home. We pray for the fire of God in your home right now. Fire of God, fire of God, engulf the home, engulf the home, engulf the, engulf the kids, release fire over kids, release fire over marriages. I speak to those on the verge of divorce and I say, passion, come back in Jesus' name. Lord, restore the marriages in the mighty name of Jesus. Restore the marriages. Be restored in Jesus' name. Come on, guys. We got to pray in the name of Jesus. There's power tonight. Just begin to ask the Lord. Say, Lord, I want this one-on-one relationship with you. I'm praying for you. This is different than you praying with God. You just tell him, say, Lord, I just want to know you more. I want to serve you better. I want to pray. I want to know. I want to connect with you. I want every hindrance to be removed. I want to know you like never before. In the mighty name of Jesus. Your power is broken, Satan. You've lost in Jesus' name. Right now, gallbladder, we pray over you, Elizabeth. Be healed in Jesus' name. We thank you, Father, for your wind. We thank you for angels. Lord, your word says that angels are ministering servants. And so we pray, Lord, that you would release ministering angels. Send legions of angels over the houses in Jesus' name. Send legions of angels over their families in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, fire. Holy Spirit, fire. We thank you, Lord, that you're training us tonight. We thank you that you're training our hands for battle. You're training our fingers for battle. You're preparing us for war. You're raising up a mighty remnant in the earth right now. I bind you, fear. I bind you. You're broken in Jesus' name. Every mental stronghold is shattered in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Revival Lifestyle Podcast. If you like what you heard, go to www.isaiahsaldivar.com for more content. And please follow me on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Isaiah Saldivar. See you next week.